Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So uh, I found it important to do one thing, Brad, which is to keep up appearances, even if they're for no one. And by that, I mean, like literally our physical appearances. Um, I looked at myself today and I was wearing like a t-shirt that I only usually wear like under dress shirts or sweaters, um, track pants with more holes and paint spots than anything, than actual color of the track pants. And I had not shaved in like eight days. So today I took the time, shaved for the first time in eight days, cleaned up the beard, showered, washed my hair, did everything, put the same dirty hold ridden track pants on and the same t-shirt on. And I'll call it a half win for today. And that's what's important. Ever since day one of quarantine, I've been trying to maintain a morning routine. Yeah. Get up, feed myself, feed the kids. Then when that's done, go wake Crystal up and then go brush my teeth, hair, shower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Monday was the only day I missed. I was feeling particularly lazy that day. Don't know why. Didn't brush my teeth, have a shower, and get ready until 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, it, there's definitely days where you're like, did I brush my teeth today? Shit, it's one No, o'clock. I didn't. I've already had lunch, so it's like, <laughs> I should probably go do that. Every other day, I've been I've been ready to go by about 8.30, but that, yeah, Monday just went off the rails. And now um, we've lost Evan for at least a couple weeks. Yeah, he's like quarantine, quarantined. Now. As he and uh, he and Cat are self isolating. So, yep, we are. Uh, we're gonna play this by ears, by ears, <laughs> by ear, guys. Uh, we uh, we do have plans to transition to a remote podcast if we need to. Obviously, we'd like to keep this um, in person as long as possible because we're essentially right now. Evans out of this, but you and I, Brad, are running between two houses of quarantine because we're always seeing each other and our families for the past two weeks. Yeah, that's literally it. I don't leave the house for anything other than this right now. But yeah. Literally, like I said, two weeks ago when I went and went and that, got that big haul of groceries, I still haven't went back. No. Yeah. We, <laughs> I have not been going anywhere. We do grocery pickup and they put it in our car for us. We open the trunk, we get back in, they put it in for us and they close the trunk and we drive away. Both times I tried doing that, their website crashed. So yeah. I've, I've been unable to do that. I've had to fight the madness. It's very, very difficult. I'll let you know the next time I'm doing it. Yeah. And if it works, it's good. I'm still good. I'm, I just had to pull my last loaf of bread out of the freezer and I still got, I think, Two bags of milk, so I'm. I should make it to the weekend at least. We um, we unfortunately were hoarders of <laughs> McDonald's or McDonald's, uh, craft mac and cheese already. And by that, I always bought like cases when they were on sale. So we always had like fifty in the basement. So I was like, "Hey, worst case, we'll survive at least a few months." And then after that, you know what? It is what it is. We had a good run. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Still coming to you in quasi isolation. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. Uh, and we have a uh, fun one for you to here today uh, with the return of our good friend, uh, Max Boltman from The Athletic. Um, he's been doing some really cool uh, pieces on the Red Wings pipeline. He put out his own piece and then he worked with some uh, prospect experts from across the world of hockey. So uh, we'll get to that interview very shortly here. Uh, and then, Brad, we're going to talk about some developing news across the NHL. Of course, um, what's going to happen with the draft? What's going to happen with the draft lottery? Um, when is hockey coming back? I'm so bored. Please, anything. Uh, so the usual topics there. And then we're going to be, of course, doing our draft profile before heading into overtime. These um, 
COVID updates are pretty much just going to be like, I think the first episode went 45 minutes deep, 30. This one probably won't take us more than 10 minutes to cover. And then like a month from now, the updates will be nothing has happened. Next topic. Brad is dying for the day where I let that ride. Like Brad wants to do that right now. Uh, no, there was actual updates worth talking about today. We're still at the, we're, we're at the, what will we call this? This is the middle of June Mitch Marner contract talks. We haven't reached August Mitch Marner contract <laughs> talks yet. <laughs> you hated me in August. You were not thrilled with me in August. That was, I like Mitch Marner as a player. That was the worst topic we've ever had to cover on this podcast because it was week after week of nothing. <laughs> That's August. Hey, you know what? Our August might be interesting. This but year. no, we're still June Mitch Marner contract talks where it's still interesting and people are wondering what's going to happen. And you know, it's uh, it hasn't been beaten to death yet. Uh, before we jump into the interview, I want to do uh, tell everyone about something that we're doing. Obviously, uh, with the shutdown happening everywhere in the world, um, or across the world, I should say, uh, in different ways, a big hit has come to uh, small business owners who have still been operating. Um, it's incredibly hard to do what they're doing. So uh, what we've committed to do it, uh, doing here is taking our uh, usual advertising slots on the episodes of the Winged Wheel podcast and reserving them for any small businesses um, that are still open, still running, and could use a shout out and support from the local community. So local Detroit, Grand Rapids, and uh, Michigan businesses, uh, we're going to be doing this for them. Uh, I'd like to start off with the Garage Bar and Grill in Grand Rapids who have been doing an extremely cool thing. Um, they have decided to give away 100 free meals a day uh, for the next month to those in need, which has been incredibly kind and generous of them um i had a few people point them out to me i, I talked to the owner kevin today uh, great guy great thing to do for the local grand rapids community so if you're in grand rapids um and you have the chance uh to go say hi to them once everything settles down uh please do the garage bar and grill and for now uh, applaud them for um, offering 100 free meals a day for 30 days um starting this friday to anyone who's been laid off financially destabilized from the pandemic um or anything similar and they qualify for a free meal so really cool thing from kevin and the garage bar and grill um and something we can hopefully keep doing to uh promote these local businesses that could use our support so that's one that's doing something. But even if you're a small business owner or you know of a small business that is, you know, still doing takeout, still doing uh, no contact deliveries, and they could use our help, uh, DM us at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter. We'd love to um, support those uh, businesses as much as we can. All right, time for our interview with Max Boltman. It's always good to have Max back. Let's see what he has had to say. So, Max, you've been busy. Yeah, a little, but uh, you know, little, little different, different kind of busy than normal. Uh, but I do think it's quite something that you know, you start a competing podcast and it takes a global pandemic to get an invite back onto the show. Look, man, I was going to lead into the act of God to make this happen joke, and the fact that you <laughs> stole that from me within the first thirty seconds of this is exactly why we're going to wait for a next pandemic before I invite you back. <laughs> Prashant can come on as much as he wants. Prashant That's is an fair. open invite. But you just pulled that shit, and so we're done. Prashant, Prashant steals jokes too. Yeah, I don't know. He's a he's not so um, shameless about it. I'd say and that's his, true. I'm pretty proud of it. His whiskey recommendations far outdo yours. That is a, that is a clear fact. That's true. No man, it's How's good. It going? It's good. Yeah, I mean, we were obviously talking beforehand, and we're both just kind of like 
figuring out what this work from home self isolation life looks like for us. And uh, I was disappointed to hear that you've already done three at home workouts and I have not convinced myself to do one. So appreciate that. Well, three in two weeks. I mean, let's not give me too much credit here. And and uh, like five in the last like six days. Or not, no, sorry. All in the last six days. Three in the last six days. So it's not like we've been uh, here. We've been exactly the, the, the picture of health. I've eaten more than my fair share of frozen junk food and candy. One of my early requests uh, on our grocery store trips, uh, Allison went on one for us. And I was like, can you get a carton of those chocolate marshmallow eggs? And then I proceeded to eat the thing. You know, see, that's actually kind of infuriating because I specifically asked for a lot of candy as well when Mel and I went grocery shopping. Um, and she told me some stupid stuff like, oh, I asked you a million times last night what to put in the grocery order. And uh, no, you can't go walk into Dollarama and break self-isolation rules for candy. So, Well, you'll get another chance soon enough. Eventually, yeah. we. Uh, it's funny, we've been putting in grocery orders like for online pickup and... They're like, we have eight substitutions for you. Uh, would you like whole wheat bread instead of a red onion? That's the closest thing we have. It's like, oh, man, we are in a tough spot, eh? Yeah. Jeez. But Weird times. Weird times. So uh, all we have right now, I guess, is uh, the hope for hockey to uh, keep us together, which is uh, a great excuse to have you back on because you've had uh, some awesome pieces that you've put out. Um, of course, on the athletic lately, um, I've loved them, and I think uh, it's time we chatted about it. And but before we get into that, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, free 90 days on the athletic right now. It's a promotion you guys have running. Yes, we would love to have people uh, check it out if you haven't yet. We got 90 days free right now. You can click on any story. I would obviously love if you would uh, click on one of my stories to to get the 90 day free trial. Uh, but yeah, any story should should get you there. And then you'll get 90 days free. And also, if you want to skip the 90 days and go right into being a subscriber, you can get a 40% off discount on a year at theathletic.com slash wings for breakfast if you're interested. Yeah, can't recommend it enough, guys. Obviously, this is something that we've uh, talked about before and we reference um, articles on The Athletic from uh, Max and a ton of other people. Obviously, we've had Scott Wheeler on here a few times, Prom and everyone else. Um, it's a great resource and a great source of sanity during these um, sparse times for sports. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And obviously, uh, you guys are doing more than your part right now to keep everybody engaged on uh, on a hockey season that may never be coming back. But uh, there's <laughs> still a whole lot of appetite out there for people. I feel like right now, if anything, this is really heightened for me how much i rely on sports not only as just like entertainment but also as just like the structure of my life so i feel completely uh lost without it so i'm, I'm i personally have been glad to been able to tune into your guys show a few times here and uh i don't know at least it feels a little more normal you know yeah when you messaged me the other day i think you said i kill for at least like any single sports league to be on like they're just i know home so deeply like I, of course, love shows like The Office. I love having like whatever on in the background. But truly what I like having on is just sports, having anything happen. We were watching the Game Show Network for like two hours last night. And it was like the closest rep because you can actually like cheer for something. Like, when that when the outcome is pre-written, I guess there's some suspense to it and, and all that stuff. But but, um, you know, there, there's nothing that really replicates the feeling of sports. But I've at least found that uh, the game shows come close. <laughs> that's what we if it's not game shows soon it's gonna be live streams of like uh, beyblades i've seen 
Oh yeah, the marble races. Oh, marble races have been big for a long time. Just I've been really into the marble races. <laughs> All right, uh, let's dive into um, what one of the many reasons why uh, we brought you back here today, which is, of course, uh, your piece is lately about the Red Wings farm system and prospects. So we've been talking a lot about the draft um, and a little bit less about prospects, but just because hockey is over does not mean that their uh, development has uh, stopped or that at least we can't talk about what the last year happened for them. So uh, let's start with the late season risers piece that you did. Um, And uh, I want to specifically start with Albert uh, Johansson here with... um, uh, the Detroit Red Wings second round pick from last year, one of them, a uh, left-handed defenseman who has had his praises sung recently. Yeah, he did. And, and obviously he finished the season really strong. Like he's a guy who I think he had five points in his last four games in the SHL, which is, you know, a pretty strong statement for a guy as young as him. I think he just turned 19. Uh, so obviously is still an under 20 player who really played, uh, I think, at least half the season as an 18 year old in that league. Yeah, turned turned 19 in January. Um, a, a pretty strong season. And, you know, he's a guy who I know the Red Wings consider his skating to be uh, elite. And, and that's obviously when you start hearing that word thrown around. Um, then you start to kind of perk up and it, it's kind of curious because I don't think he necessarily fits the like, you know, superstar mold or anything like that. That So don't get out of out of hand with with the elite word. That's really about the skating. Um, but, you know, when you see the confidence rise, he starts to get some power play time. Craig Button talked about him a little bit in, in the story I ran today about his compete level. I mean, there's some there's some really interesting traits there that I think uh maybe started to shine through but i actually didn't get to watch hardly any shl i don't really have a good way to do it but i'm hoping uh that that maybe i can find a way to do that now that everyone has uh so much time on their hands but certainly statistically and and through the eyes of uh of the red wings you know johansson had a strong finish and with your conversation with uh, Sean Horkoff, did he get any kind of like heightened sense of importance for prospects like uh, Johansson and even Jared McIsaac, guys who would uh, be in the pipeline down the left side uh, for their development to kind of come through, um, just panning out a future top four of, of uh, Hronik and Sider on the right and maybe someone like jo- Johansson and McIsaac on the left? Is there kind of more of an emphasis to make sure that those guys land? Um, I didn't pick up on anything like that. I mean, the way that that call went wasn't so much me calling, uh, Horkoff and saying who were the late risers. Like I kind of went in with the prospects who I had seen rise late and then asked him about what they saw. Right. Uh, obviously two of the guys that I mentioned were McIsaac and Johansson though. So I think you and I can confidently say they need someone on the left side to, to surge forward. And I don't think either of those two guys that we're talking about here in Johansson and McIsaac are going to reach that um, cider heronic level would just be my personal feeling. Um, but you never know. And, and like, you know, you start looking at, you know, Nils Lundqvist is a guy in the Ranger system. I think he's been a really big riser all season. And he's a guy who in the SHL last season had numbers pretty similar to um, what Johansson did this year. And this year he really exploded. So you never know. I mean, for every guy like that, there's guys who became pretty ordinary in the NA or uh, as prospects or never even made the NHL. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's the kind of situation where if Johansson can get physically stronger, um, then things get pretty interesting. He's still a pretty slight build, but when you have, you know, top skating and, and some ability to uh, at least some ability to produce against men, that's pretty interesting. Now, speaking of uh, holes in the Red Wings roster, the the goaltending position has been one of a lot of conversation, uh, most notably because Jonathan Bernier 
I think, uh, may have had himself canonized with how well he played behind an awful <laughs> team last season. Uh, but uh, people were kind of hoping uh, for more from Philip Larson in his first pro year, which obviously didn't quite happen. Uh, didn't shake out in the most favorable way for him so far. But then the rise of Keith Petrozelli um, over with uh, Quinnipiac has been a pretty notable season. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you found with Keith and how he might play into the future Red Wings goalie conversation. Well, I think the important thing is just that he had a kind of a bounce back year. I mean, I don't think he like surged to the front of the conversation or anything like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think he had a 920 was what he finished with, which is a nice season, uh, especially after last season. I think he was right around like 905 or so. Um, but when you consider the fact that, you know, Philip Larson, 904 is what Petrus that was. Philip Larson the previous year was in the 930s, right, as a, as a freshman. So it, it's not the situation where this season, like, put all doubts to rest. It's just, like, the progress you probably wanted to see out of Philip Larson if you're the Red Wings. Um, and Philip Larson obviously – or, sorry, out of Petrus LA if you're the Red Wings. Philip Larson obviously um, – turned pro this year and couldn't really stay much in Grand Rapids. I mean, he didn't have much success at all when he was in the AHL. He did once he, you know, got down to Toledo uh, and maybe now he can progress up to, to grant to um, Grand Rapids this year. But I would say it's premature to, to take the Petrozelli bounce back season, which it was take it for what it is for sure. But it'd be premature to, to cast too much um, optimism into that going forward. Just knowing the transition up to pro is the hardest one. And just to add on to that for the listeners, I, I do like in recognizing that Larson didn't have the best year, uh, transitioning to pro hockey as a goaltender is immensely hard. And when you add that to the uncertainty and the voodoo, so to say, of that position, uh, it'd be kind of silly to write him off so early as well. So, uh, like Max said, a, a bounce back from Toledo up to Grand Rapids and maybe beyond is definitely not out of the question, especially when you consider how long it takes for goalies to develop. For sure. Now, uh, just an easy one here, and one that we've all loved, enjo- or we've all enjoyed to watch, um, despite the season not being the flashiest um, at some points and extremely flashy at others. Uh, how much of a treat has it been to watch Joe Valeno uh, move along in Grand Rapids? Well, it's interesting is I was only able to get to Grand Rapids like two times in the last couple months, and a lot of that, and one of those times that I went. Um, I thought Valeno looked awesome, and I think he, he had made clear progress, creating a ton of scoring chances where he wasn't necessarily getting rewarded, but he was always involved in it. And then as it went on, you kind of saw those start to convert into points a little bit, and and then you just start to hear, you know, how how strongly the Red Wings felt about the way he finished, and um, you know, the second half especially is is what Horkoff said. He he looked more comfortable, and that's when the production came too. It did happen in the last, you know five six seven games a little more on the scoreboard wise um but i think really the last month and a half i mean obviously i was still watching on on the stream so it wasn't like i didn't watch any of these games i just wasn't always at them uh you could really see it coming more to the forefront i i think you know i think you guys have been on the same page here that i that i've been saying on this which is like just peg him about a year behind zadina developmentally so you know zadina had had a year last year where i thought he it kind of looked a little better late and and then you know he started uh, this season pretty strong and he was in the NHL halfway through. I'm not saying Valeno will be in the NHL by next December by this December I guess. Um but I'm just saying it wouldn't stun me to see him get some time uh, in Detroit next season even if I still probably think he starts in Grand Rapids. Uh terrible news for our platitudes about uh when players will reach the NHL and um is that uh, will the NHL even be here in December? Who knows anymore? Oh man, don't say that. 
<laughs> Man, like hearing some of the theories about like playing through November, taking December off, kicking back off. Well, no, it's players, back. right? Isn't that the players' idea? Really? I, I, is that what they came up with? Because I can't imagine they would love the, the lost revenue. I thought that situation. Well, why would it be lost revenue? Fewer games played. Because if they start up in January and then play like a, a shortened season for the 2020 2021 season. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of a different proposal than I haven't heard that one. I'm the one I'm thinking of is the one where they have like the draft in October and like the like they play the Stanley Cup in like September, August, take September off, draft in October, and then the season starts in like November. That's the one. The, the one the players propose, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I know what you mean now. That one is I actually think that one's a little bit more like if they play games, that's how it would have to happen. But I also just don't think they're going to play all the games they think they are. Well, I think if you can't award the Stanley Cup by, you know, mid-August or whatever, then what's the point? Like, don't yeah. don't mess with next season going forward, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. easy to, easy for me to say I'm not the one who's going to get my name engraved on it. <laughs> it's not our money. It's not our competition. Honestly, we should be cheering for it. More content for us. Oh, I mean, I want them to come back. I would I would desperately love to watch them play off hockey. I just I have a hard time imagining them putting themselves in a spot where players come back for eight weeks and then take four weeks off and then come back for a full season. That just seems that just seems really tough to pull off to me. And as much as it pains me to say, I think they're almost definitely going to have to go with an online draft like have to. It's not going to be any yeah. fanfare. Yeah, I think I agree, which is sad, but so is the world we live in. I guess the one thing I'd say is if you if you if you do wait until like let's say they they play the first playoff game in July, everyone will have already had like four months of off season. But it just seems like like couldn't couldn't that disadvantage like the actually like the team that the teams that make like the conference finals if they end up you know having a, a shorter rest time? I guess that's always true. I don't know. I don't know anything. It'll be ex- exceptionally exaggerated this time. Honestly, the, the team that would be at the biggest disadvantage is whoever goes up against a now fully healthy Pittsburgh Penguins team. I know. Like, I know. That situation is exactly the kind of stuff where you can't avoid it. It's it's just so anomalous, and we're going to look back and say, like, that Penguins team might have struggled, but you know now they ran, like, three different teams, and they won all three series in 14 games or some, some something stupid like that. And on cue, Ryan, the NHL has just announced the postponements of the 2020 NHL Scouting Combine, the 2020 NHL Awards, and the 2020 NHL Draft. So some some nice breaking news for you right there. Look at that, live on the air. Well, <laughs> the dream of going to the draft is dead for this year, no. at least. I was so excited for Montreal. <laughs> I love Montreal. Oh, we got to cancel hotels. We got to cancel flights. Christ. Yeah, well, you know what? I was going to say, let's go to Montreal anyways, but maybe not. Maybe let's nope. not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of uh, brave things to do, something brave but actually smart was uh, you reaching out to some uh, prospect experts. And I love this piece. Um, you and Scott put it together, and you also uh, reached out to uh, Yoki from Finland. I Nevalainen, is that his last name? Yep, okay, never lining. Okay, and then uh, Will Scouch from Scouching, and then Craig Button as well. Am I missing anyone there? No, okay. Uh, and you, you asked them for um, something that I've always thought was a incredibly difficult thing to do, which was uh, player comparisons, pretty much finding comparables for Red Wings prospects. 
Yes, and I think uh, I was very grateful that they were willing to do it because I know a lot of prospect experts. Uh, I know it can be kind of reductive ultimately, and maybe even the least precise way to evaluate a player because you know you, you can say he reminds me of this guy in style, and then people get their expectations really high, or they get offended, or something, and it's it ultimately. Um, I think it kind of artificially seems to place ceilings and floors on guys and uh, in in the minds of, of people reading it. And then, you know, that gets out of whack. So I was really happy they were willing to do it at all. Uh, and I tried to make sure people knew that these were stylistic comps. But with that said, like, I, I thought it was pretty interesting, some of the names who came up still. Yeah, you saw a little bit of what you expected to see there. Like, I, I thought the Petrangelo comparison, the Pareko comparisons were always going to come up. But then... Uh, some of the names got thrown out I thought were really interesting and a really good way to describe these players. And before we get into this conversation, and before you guys go and read Max's article, which I hope you all do, uh, again, like you said, this is a stylistic comparison. These aren't just because it's in writing does not mean it's all hard prediction or anything to that effect. So please put down your pitchforks. There's much more um, useful ways to use those in the coming days rather than some fun player comparisons. Um, <laughs> what was the most interesting name that you saw come up that you hadn't considered before uh two and they're both new york islanders uh ryan pulak for anti Misto. that was from yoke and i liked that one a lot especially because of the big shot and then uh the one that i thought just immediately i heard and i was like oh yeah that's really good was uh, craig button saying anthony bovillier for robert master simone i i love that comparison yeah that was a really good one um i really enjoyed I, I was telling you before, I think Craig has a really good way of um, maybe finding some different answers to things, but yeah. that, he's not, oh, like, whether you disagree with him on, on the whole, I don't think he was incredibly wrong with these. He, he kind of found different ways to uh, hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, what I liked is he went kind of off the, usually you hear so many similar names, right? Like, number one, every two-way center wants to compare themselves to, like, you know, uh, Bergeron or Taves or I'm sure you know now it'll start to be Sorelli and stuff like that um, but you know I, I thought you know Joe Valeno for example he said Michael Backlund and I think that's a really that's a good way to do it where you're showing this really strong two-way center without having to put this crazy I mean M- Michael Backlund's a great player and I'm not even sure that Joe Valeno can get to the Michael Backlund like like that's like a Selkie level uh, like top 10 Selkie level vote getting player uh, who also is pretty productive but like that's a much better i think way of encapsulating like you're, you're getting a really solid player here um that, that plays both ways and, and can score a little bit without putting you know the weight of the world on it uh, another one that i liked here that i thought was possibly um ambitious it was definitely on the high end of predictions but one that really made the fan in me very happy was uh, the jason zucker comparison that yeah, and Scott put forward for Master Simone as well. I think we can agree that that's probably like the higher end, like everything hits kind of prediction for for Mastro. But um, that's the kind of thing where I think it's a good stylistic comparison, and you shoot for the stars, and that's probably where you'd land. Yeah, I think if you can take this the literal point production out of it, though, like I I get the point that Scott is making here. I've had the thought too, like you know whether it's like the, the competitiveness or kind of the the little um, like the shiftiness on in that middle six winger. Like I like that a lot. I think if you can just pull the you know the sixty point whatever uh, out of your brain, then I think I think you really can see that. Now and Scott one, makes that point too. Yeah. And uh, something that I especially liked from all of this was the more cider piece, because I think we got the full scale 
of yeah. what can be expected. So Petrangelo is obviously one that comes up quite a bit. Um, you think about size and you think about um, ability and you might scale that down for cider or up depending on how hard you are in the cider train. But then you get kind of like those middling predictions with like uh, Ekblad and Jeff Petrie who are still fantastic defensemen. Uh, and then you get something like Brandon Carlo. And what Craig Button did was really articulate why that's not a bad thing. And it's not anything anyone should be upset about in the importance of a player like Brandon Carlo. Um, but it, it was a funny commentary on the, the spectrum of what people expect more outsider to be. Um, and also probably a good actual accurate scale as to what he might be with the caveat that not literally these players. Yeah, no, I I think that's a good point. And, you know, I was really surprised at some of the pushback on the, um, on, on the Carlo thing. Cause I've, mentioned that as well and i think Brandon carlo is an awesome player so i think more Sutter will score a little bit more but ultimately in the end like people might really be underrating brandon carlo here like i think he's a really good player and he plays big minutes for a team that was in first place when this all went out like i think even at sixth overall if you're getting a guy who's going to be like one of your top defensemen in a, in a smooth skating physical shutdown guy like i don't see the problem with that Oh, there is absolutely no problem with that. Like, he is an incredibly important defenseman. Like, he'd be the best defenseman on Detroit right now. 100%. But the, you, we're getting this in the era of, you know, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, uh, uh, Heiskanen, those kinds of players. So people are, are expecting the world from Warren Sider, or they're, ex- sorry, not from Warren Sider. People are expecting the world from that six overall pick because it was the Red Wings' first pick. And, like again i think what you and craig are saying here holds true and does a good job of not discrediting carlo and kind of tempers um any disappointment that might come from your your six overall pick not ending up being like a, a kill mccarr or a quinn hughes yeah i mean i think people probably should just like try to rid themselves of like too much hope that Moritz Sider is going to score like 65 points in the end. Like that's just a, that's really rare, you know? Um, it, but I, I get the Petrangelo part of this too. And, and Scott makes the point that it's not just Petrangelo. It's Petrangelo minus kind of the goals of, of Alex Petrangelo. Um, but like, you know, you can see the similarities in terms of how they, how they move and stuff like that. Uh, smarts. But um, man, I, I think there's not a name on that list that you're really upset that you should be upset about. I mean, Aaron Eckblad went first overall. Jeff Petrie's blossomed into like a really valuable player. I I don't think that like Carlo and Petrie are that far off in terms of value at all. In fact, I might even put Carlo a nudge higher. And I don't know if that's just influenced by him playing on a winning team or not. But um, I I think that those are all to me top pairing level defensemen. Yeah, the, the whole. The whole concept of, or the whole uh, discussion of defensemen on the Red Wings has just been so skewed because they've had no good ones for so long. Right. Um, and also, you consider the whole storyline of, you know, Hughes instead of Zadina in Detroit and everything like that. Um, it, it seems to be kind of an all or nothing want when we start talking about what defensemen are going to be for the Red Wings. I know that when I talk about um philip ronick being a red wings first pairing defenseman but he needs someone a little bit more defensively responsible with him i get a lot of pushback on that um and not to say ronick's completely useless defensively no but i think it's just still a hole in his game that he still has to actually sure. work on but it's it, it's difficult to find right now because of the scarcity of like effective defensemen um kind of like a, a good middle ground to to discuss those things yeah now uh 
talking about all of these players, was there anyone that you left off the list because it was difficult or frustrating to kind of get a read on them, or maybe you thought they would have been there by now, um, and it you, it wasn't quite as uh, they didn't quite make that like I had a great season list, or they didn't quite make the uh, list of being so effective in their junior or overseas leagues that uh, they warranted a comparison. Uh, no, I mean, I just picked these players like, like, you know, I left off Philip Zadina, Gustav Lindstrom and Dennis Chalowski. Chalowski may be the one that I should have thrown in there. Um, I just kind of wasn't considering him in that same like prospect vein. Like I kind of figured he's broken camp with the Red Wings two seasons in a row now. Um, you know, Zadina and, and Lindstrom seem to have kind of carved out their places. To me, I wasn't really lobbing him in the prospect category. The only guy who's really played sustained NHL time that's in here is Rasmussen. And I I did that because I kind of continued to exempt him from that line of thinking based on the fact that he had to play in the NHL last year or he would have gone back to the WHL. So um, nobody that like I I wanted to put on who I like, just like couldn't. I just kind of these are the ten I picked. And I actually was surprised that um that people were like were able to find comps for someone like Soderblom for example who at 6 foot 7 I don't know man there's just really not many options out there no for for a monster of a man who can crash the net like Soderblom hopefully can no there's you have a limited scope of what you can do yeah exactly one thing that all of this like looking at these two pieces and looking at the ongoing discussion of prospects what's the general um feeling you get from the Red Wings prospects pool like obviously they don't have the absolute superstar um calder trophy winner in the pipeline quite yet but does this give you um a different impression of when you went in of the red wings prospect pool like where would you peg them right now um like relative to other teams or just like in general uh let's say relative to other teams like do you feel like they're on the higher end of the scale or do you feel like they're maybe lagging behind where they should be Without knowing other teams like pipelines that well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I, I generally just defer to Corey and Scott on that, and they kind of seem to have the Red Wings, you know, in the, in that top third or so uh, of the league, and that that feels about right. I mean, I but I think your point is right. Like other than Cider, who I think is a top pair guy, um, I don't know that they have like a, a top line first, another top line first pair prospect in there. But there's a lot of really good versatility, right? And like you look at some of these comparables, and what I think it illustrates is, you know, yeah, like. Sure, there might not have been some of the star power outside of those names, but if you start talking about, you know, if Antti Tuomisto can become a good second pair defenseman, that's huge. If Robert Mastro Simone can become a good middle six, like chaotic, um, not chaotic, uh, you know, havoc player, uh, that's great. Uh, if if Joe Valeno is a two way center capable of of really playing a shutdown role and on either that second or third line, you know, that's great. Like I, I think if you have those players, that's what you need to win, you know. And and ultimately, yeah, you need the stars, uh, and they'll 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 have plenty of chances to get them, you know, at the top of the draft this year and presumably the top of the draft next year. But you also need those those guys who, let's just face it. Um, take a little longer where they're not drafted at the very top. And so to have your guys like your Master Simonis, who's going to take a couple more years, your Tuomistos, who's going to take a couple more years, uh, your Valeno, who's getting closer uh, in the system now, that ultimately puts you in a better spot that when you do land those top flight players that they absolutely need, they absolutely still need a number one power play quarterback, they absolutely still need another, uh, you know, basically top line caliber center to pair with Larkin, and they probably need another elite forward in addition to that. Um 
you know, it's probably three players, right? Uh, to be to be a true cup threat, I mean, probably two 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 of those get you into the uh, the, the playoff conversation at that point. Uh, but once you get those guys, then you can just turn it on and go. Um, I think if you if you're waiting for all the other future second round picks to develop, then you're waiting quite a bit longer. Yeah, and the point about patience there is, I think he um, there's such a want for the Lafreniere type for the. Uh, Elias Pettersson for the guys who just stand out from the, the moment they step on NHL ice and, and that's fine but um, not everybody is going to be a, a Crosby Ovechkin 100 points in their first year player so even if they were projected like Zadina you know was essentially a, a hell of a grab at six overall um, we saw from his limited time this year that he was scoring at a great clip uh, clip for a guy's age uh, 25 goal pace at, at one point before he went down with his ankle injury so um it's important to remember again what Max just mentioned. These guys aren't always going to develop uh, at the rate that we want them to, and uh, it's important to always have those middle six guys. It's important to have those, um, you know, two to five or number two to five defensemen. It's incredibly hard to find number ones at any position, but the Red Wings are going to have plenty of opportunities. Starting with some point, presumably in the next six months. Who knows when that's going to end up being. All right, Max, uh, Brad just kicked down my door and is waiting now to record the episode. So we will wrap up here. Thank you again for joining us, man. Um, again, the act of God is what it took, but hopefully it's not that next time. So we'll have, uh, you and Brashant back on again soon. We'll all do some stuff together. Uh, everyone, Max Baltman, the athletic Detroit wings for breakfast, uh, 90 day free trial right now for the athletic. Um, and then of course, if you want to subscribe, um, theathletic.com slash wings for breakfast for 40% off, which is a fantastic deal. Uh, keep your hockey and sports hungry minds satiated. Max, thank you so much, man. Thanks buddy. We'll talk soon. And we're back. Uh, great having Max on funny that there was some breaking news during that interview, which is the official confirmation that the NHL combine um, NHL draft and NHL awards are all officially postponed. The dream is dead, Brad. The year we were going all in, going to Grand Rapids, going to Detroit, booked flights and hotels for the draft in Montreal. Yeah, and then this would happen. Monkey paw curls. We yeah. yelled all year about wanting to cancel the season. <laughs> and the hockey gods went, fine. <laughs> Have it your way. If it results in higher draft lottery odds, it's all worth it. Well, okay, let's Except stop. for like the people dying and stuff, but like that part sucks, but the rest of it. Please stay healthy, guys. Yeah. This is serious. S- stay the F in your house. Don't leave. There was way too many cars when I was coming over here. I felt guilty being part of it. Um the lottery. So there was um a piece put out today by Craig Custins who and it talked about all the like all these articles are talking about proposals from teams around the league. One that we've seen talked about quite a bit is the twenty four team play in playoff system, um, which again wasn't. It's not like the NHL was promoting it actively. It was like one or two teams have put this forward. Um, Craig today mentioned that uh, at least one team has proposed a system where there would be a um, tournament to win the first overall pick. Look. This isn't any certainty. It's not even a popular opinion right now. That's not how it was put forward. So don't go yelling at Craig or anything. Um, This is very obviously from like a Florida Panthers or like a bubble playoff team wanting this. No, 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 no. Steve Eisman did not let the Red Wings tank this hard for the rules to be changed and the rug swept out from under him and the fans at the 11th hour. 
Yes, these are extraordinary circumstances. Yes, things are going to have to be adjusted because of the playoffs, and we don't know the latter half of the draft order. I'm sorry. This team wouldn't have been constructed this way if Steve Eisman knew there would be a tournament at the end. Would they probably still finish last? Yeah, I'd say it was more likely than not. Would it have been by so many points? God, no. And would he have left the team so poorly equipped to win important games at the end? No, of course not. No, there's no way it would be an absolute slap in the face to fans of Detroit, fans of Ottawa, fans of Ottawa by way of San Jose. I'm sorry, it's just, there's no way, right? It's it's not feasibly possible. So I assume the tournament would be what, four teams? Like the bottom four playing for it or something like that? Because any any more than that, that's just unfair. Who's the eighth worst team in the league right now? They're probably still pretty decent and would absolutely clobber everybody below them. The... But you brought up the exact reason why they couldn't do it. I know this isn't exactly how the standings fell short, like fell, but let's assume you're doing a tournament in the bottom four and the bottom four teams in the NHL are Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, and San Jose. Ottawa can't play themselves. <laughs> What's San Jose gonna do? Yeah, they're, they're gonna show they're gonna send the Barracuda. Yeah. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna ensure that pick is the lowest possible. Like, imagine Chicago qualified for this. Chicago's not a playoff team's team by any means. But, but they're not far off. They're not far off. They, they would dummy everybody. Like, this... Listen, I'm a fan of the gold plan. Because a lot of people are going to equate this to the gold plan. Well, you want to win to get the first pick. It's not the same. Because in a tournament like this, every team is going, on with, going in with equal odds. In the gold plan, it's not equal odds. Using this season as a metric, Detroit was so much worse than every other team. They... Uh, were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs like a month ahead of everybody else. They were accumulating. We can joke all we want about when they beat Montreal and when they beat Tampa and they beat Chicago. Yet that would have been six huge points that would have qualified them towards first overall, and nobody else would have even started building points towards it yet. So right. it's balanced in that way. Hence, why the gold plan versus the tournament do not equate. Because if you again, if it's a four-team tournament. I could at least understand that because your number one overall team isn't getting truly screwed because their statistical most likely pick anyway is fourth. So whatever, you finish ahead of one team, it's like you bumped up your odds or you beat your odds, air quotation, versus the lottery. But if you include any more than four teams, it's it's absolutely a joke. Unless you're literally going in with, it's the first team to 10 points, dead last starts with five points, Second last starts with four points or something like that, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if you're finding a way to, like, arbitrarily equate the percentages, sure. I mean, I still don't understand, like, your point. Like, Ottawa has a 25% chance at first overall because of their combined picks with theirs and San Jose's. Uh, But if you find a way to get around that and you say, like, yeah, these these favorable home ice advantage or these favorable points that you start with for Detroit equate to an 18.5% chance to win first overall pick – Fine. Is it my favorite? No. But if you maintain some semblance of fairness, sure. But you know for a fact it's none of the bottom four teams suggesting this. It's no. the Montreal's. It's the Chicago's. It's the teams who are finding themselves on the bubble, who likely won't find themselves in a playoff spot if there are playoffs this year, wanting to weasel their way into a Crosby-type uh, draft lottery where every single team had a chance. If that's what happens and we just endured that season, I will legitimately punch through a wall. This is true. Uh, devil's advocate from the team chaos side of me holy shit would that be a fun tournament though (laughs) 
No, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. It's not good and it's a terrible idea, but that would actually be the first like meaningful hockey games we would watch the Red Wings play this year and I would enjoy the shit out of it, but I still hate it. It would be a fun tournament, you're right, as a whole. And let's talk about who the Red Wings would run, right? Like they'd call up Valeno, they'd Lindstrom would get a lot of minutes, Sider would be playing. Like, yeah, there. This is no longer about getting odds. This is about the Red Wings are legitimately going to ice the best team they can, which means you're going to see the MLB line staying together. You'll see Fabry getting big minutes. You won't see the fourth line get well. Okay, it's Blasio. We might still see the fourth line getting big minutes. Abdelkader would be scratched. Trevor Daly wouldn't be anywhere near this team. Like. It would be fun hockey and hell, from an optimist point of view, how rewarding would it be to suffer through this miserable season and then have like this hill where the Red Wings win this tournament at the end of it? And that would be, that would make it entirely worth all this pain and suffering. And it's more satisfying because you can say, well, we didn't rely on ping pong balls to win it for us. It would be fun. It would feel earned. It would be better. And honestly, probably less strenuous than the draft, stressful than the draft lottery. How would, it's still very unfair and it will never fly. And I hate it with every passion. And oh, yeah. Every inch of my being. I'm discussing the the potential lineup here because Eisenman sees it on Twitter. So it would be a fun exercise. And he's right. It would be. Um, but I still loathe the overall plan because. And also, how do you ask guys to say, hey, you know how usually um, when we talk about the gold plan, you're still playing for someone who might take your job one day. But those games still matter because they're still league games. They matter for a contract. Nope. Yeah, they're playing for a contract. They do not give a crap about the guy taking their spot. This potential tournament would remove all... Like, it doesn't matter for them. It's not in their contracts. Um, They can get hurt. Like, they who says they're going to earn a better contract from like a four games? And then meanwhile, Alexi Lafreniere is on the team. And all of a sudden, whoop, Joe Valeno, you're bumped down to a third. That obviously doesn't... There's no like reality where that's actually the case, but I'm just saying like players wouldn't go for this. No, no, they wouldn't, and it'll never happen. Although I think uh, who are the bottom four teams right now? Assuming it would be a four team tournament: uh, Detroit, Ottawa, San Jose, and LA. And if you want to add one more, because you can't put San Jose in, it's Anaheim. Shit, I was gonna say Detroit could have won two very key categories out of all those teams in terms of winning the tournament if it went that way, but Anaheim screws it up. I still would argue Detroit has the best first line out of any of those teams. You think Anaheim's it? Yeah, no, I think Detroit's. And I would have said until you threw John Gibson in the equation that Detroit probably had the goaltending advantage too because Bernier's been having a better season than all of them. Yeah, no, but you also take a a small sample size like you get with like a four or six game tournament. All it takes is Marcus Hogberg to get hot and Ottawa gets Lafreniere. I, I get it and... I'm just I'm just trying to make conversation out of this because it's a terrible idea and we have not not much else to talk about. So I, I'm I'm all for inter- I'm all for taking advantage of this situation and and having interesting solutions if we are going to have a season, which we'll chat about in a second. I'm not sure if we will. Um, but if there is gonna be some semblance of a season, find the interesting solutions, do something where you would never get away with it any other time, find silver linings, have fun with it. Give people something to cheer for if and when hockey or if hockey comes back. Do that for the playoffs. Do it for the Stanley Cup. Don't do it for the teams that are, have already had a terrible season and are hurting. It's not the end of things. You're 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 working on the bottom half when you should be working on the top. Yes, NHL. As uh, one of the biggest Red Wings fans on the face of this earth, I can tell you straight up, 
there are very few Red Wings fans who will be supremely disappointed if we don't watch another Red Wings game until November. It's it was it's almost accepted at this point. Red it, Wings fans care more about the draft lottery than any on ice play right now. Exactly. You give us if you have to cancel regular season games to give us a full and proper draft, we'll take it. Even though it's probably going to happen online only or in a boardroom at this point, but still. Yeah. Because of time constraints because there was updates on that today too. Not only was the draft canceled and the, not canceled, but pushback, combine pushback, awards pushback. Um, the NHL also asked teams for arena availabilities in August. Yeah. They're- so they're planning on not, from the sounds of it, they're anticipating not starting this thing up till late June, early July, which means probably no more regular season games at that point. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see them do that now rather than later because seeing the way things are progressing in other sectors of the world business and seeing how other professional leagues are handling it um the writing is on the wall for any kind of may april may return like that was just never going to happen so i understand the need to to see through those possibilities but the moment that they became legitimately impossible the league is now trying to be pragmatic and look forward now this begs the question with the entire CHL, so the Ontario Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, etc., they're they're done. Regular season done. Playoffs done. Memorial Cup done. There's nothing else happening. It's over. We've seen everything we've seen from like Alexi Lafreniere. We've seen everything we've seen from Marco Rossi. Like there's no more hockey to be played. Granted, it's a different league. It's a junior league. You're not talking about as much revenue. The Stanley Cup is the greatest trophy and tournament in sports. Does that add an air of this might be it for this season for the NHL? Too early to say because they're working. If they're working on arena availabilities in August, which the NHL has the power to do, keep in mind a lot of junior teams and uh, they don't have unlimited finances to uh, with all the travel and payments and yada 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 that goes on with extending a season. Sure, um, and also a lot of these teams don't own their own building and they don't have exclusivity to it. So there's basketball teams or whatever that are playing in there in the summer. So rain availabilities might be a problem. I don't think we're there yet with the NHL is the grandiose point I'm making there. They have the capability, the manpower, the money um, to be able to fire this off quickly if they need to. Um, you could start this season July 4th and still get it done and still have a training camp for next season in October. Cause there were, um, I was listening uh, to 31 thoughts today and they were saying the NHL might just start if they can wrap this season up by the end of August, uh, September, they take a month off training camps and whatnot's October. And then they just have a condensed season next year, still 82 games, but no bye weeks, no all-star game and probably ends a little later than it normally would. But then you're back on track to me. That's still the most likely scenario. I know I said that last episode. I'm standing by that until I hear otherwise is I'm assuming a summer playoff, a September rest, October training camp, November hockey back. And the upside to that is it's not even April yet. So if we're not starting until July, that's three over three full months from now. We have no idea what the peak of this virus is going to be. And based on how it's uh, trending in the States, it's going to get a lot worse. So that could still be trending upwards for a while. Um, but Three months is a long time. It is. It's a very long time. It is. So I'm still optimistic that we're going to see the Stanley Cup handed out this year. I'm not so optimistic. 
Um, but that I think is colored by the fact that I'm a noted pessimist a lot of the times. Hey, if you want some good news revolving around the virus, uh, didn't Italy have a couple days where the death toll uh, declined? Good. So they, it seems they've reached their peak and it's, there's still hundreds upon hundreds of people dying every day. So it's still very serious, but it's at least trending in the right direction now. I've, uh, I have some days where I can look at the stats and really dive into it and read the news. And some days where just like legitimately right now work is so tough, like working from home and navigating what all of this means for like who I work for and managing staff from home and, and again, Skype meeting after teams meeting after zoom meeting. I just can't. I'm like, I need to disconnect from this. I'll stay home. Don't worry about me. I'll yeah, have my cereal. That's why I was late for the interview. I had to call all my staff one by one this afternoon. Uh, all of them. How many do you have? Close to 40. I was like, who is he on the phone with? One by one. He doesn't have friends. We're his friends. And one of them's dead. And you know, out of 40 people, you're getting a couple talkers in there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Evan's not dead, but it's funny that the first episode where Evan can't be here, we broke his no free ads rule. You know, giving out free ads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's get to a, uh, a draft profile. So um, we started off with Alexi Lafreniere and moved to Jack Quinn. And now we're going to move back into potential top 10 picks here with Cole Perfetti, who is a uh, pretty divisive prospect. So dive into that one for us, Brad. Uh, I like him, but I'm on the less optimistic side versus the majority on him um, before anybody says it. No, he's not going to be my 2020 Kirby Doc. Stop. <laughs> um, very, very smart hockey player. Love it. He's got the number one trait you want in any hockey player. He knows what to do on the ice. He knows when to do it, and he knows how to do it. Supremely skilled. Skating's a bit of an issue, and he's small. So we've seen this argument what with two to three top 20 prospects every year for the past few drafts oh yeah yeah no he's got all the skill in the world but he's not very fast and he's not very big okay not a lot of those prospects have turned around yet some of them have but not all of them uh Debrinkit being the the most notable success story in the group uh but i don't think Debrinkit's a good comparable for perfetti because with Debrinket shot. He's more of an outside threat than Perfetti is. Perfetti needs to get to the home plate area to score goals. Still a great playmaker from the outside. I do have legitimate concerns, though, about his pace. And from the viewings I've had of him, he seems to either make a great player run himself into trouble. There doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground with him when he attempts to do something in the offensive zone because. Uh, I did actually get a live viewing of him this year, which was nice when uh, Saginaw came to Kitchener and he either created a scoring chance. Um, there were also a lot of odd man rushes going back the other way because of offensive zone turnovers from him because he held on to it too long. Kitchener threw a double team on him and he was dead in the water. He didn't have another option and it got turned very quickly. Now, keep in mind, Kitchener was one of the best teams in the CHL this year. So it's not like he was, they, they were a bad team running it. So, worth noting and again one game i do think he'll be a solid nhler i do think he'll be a really good middle six scoring winger option <sighs> really good middle six though i'm I, that's fringe top 10 pick to me because if i'm picking someone in the top 10 i, I kind of want a, a safer bet as to someone who's gonna really really pan out because again i've seen a lot of cole caulfield and a lot of alex to comparisons to perfetti and they're not the same because perfetti doesn't have their shot he is definitely better at some aspects of the game of hockey than they are 
which means he can operate a little more from the perimeter, but not as a scoring threat. Perfetti, yeah. Perfetti is a really interesting case because none of the concerns about him are unfounded. Like, I don't pay so much attention to size. I'm like, if you're 5'10", that's fine. There's plenty of 5'10 players. You, you have a the odds are more stacked against you than if you were 6'1 or 6'2 and you had your skill set, but not everyone's going to be that size and that's just the reality of it. Um, you're right that pace is a concern. I don't think pace is a problem for where he is now, but can that translate if he's not a, a small guy who's a good skater? Like he He's a fine skater overall, but he should be, because of his size, presumably a better skater and he's just not. Um, perfectly passable, again, for where he is. So that pace conversation that you keep bringing up, that's the most valid concern. How will that translate into the NHL? Supreme playmaker, great playmaker, such good vision. Um, I don't always get so wrapped up in the fact that like he might get himself into trouble trying to make those plays because you know if you're ever going to do that and try and force them and learn and, and try to hone your skills, juniors is the time to do it. Those games are pure chaos. If he would continue to do that in the NHL, that would take some refinement, but that's something that you can refine. And for a player as smart as he is, you know that's coachable. It's not like that's the only thing he knows how to do and he's just some mouth breather who can't do anything else on the ice. No, he's uh, not a supremely gifted shooter like um, obviously Cole Caulfield is, but he has a fine enough shot and he's a, he's definitely a scoring threat. But yeah, his playmaking is phenomenal. Do I think that he has the high-end talent, like high-end, high-ceiling talent that Cole Caulfield had? I don't think so. I wouldn't put him there. Um, I don't know really how to articulate it. I guess what I'm saying is if he goes 10th, or later, I think a team found a steal. Like, in terms of the kind of talent that you would want at 10. Middle six might be his most likely area, but I don't think it's completely out of this world for him to be a strong scoring second, or a strong uh, playmaking second line winger, or a uh, uh, first power play guy. If he can improve his skating, then that like he, that changes him a lot. That moves him up a few positions. The one thing, and this is not a knock on Perfetti. This is more my own issue. But I, I, I don't like player comparisons. But I like finding stylistic comparisons because it, it helps me project what a player will be in the NHL. Like if you look at a, we'll use the Red Wings for example. We look at a Philip Zadina. We could pick out a dozen NHLers who mit, who fit his profile, and you could go, oh, if it goes right for him, this is what he could be. You look at uh, Mort Sider, you can pick out a half dozen players in the NHL, and this is what they could be. I don't, I can't think of a player with Perfetti's dimensions and skill set in the NHL right now. So it's really hard for me to figure out how he would translate. We just, part of Max's articles was uh, player comparisons. Yeah. And so it's an incredibly difficult thing to do because. It's not a useless exercise. There is merit to it, but it's hard when there isn't something accurate or someone that stands out because it's almost contrived at that point. You know who the the best one I've been able to come up with for Perfetti is? A guy who put up not quite as good numbers in junior, but was a very dominant player in the OHL on the smaller side, not very fast, but just smart and skilled. Hmm. Robbie Fabry. Yeah. It wouldn't be a bad one, right? Like, presumably if Perfetti pans out completely, he'd be better. And doesn't blow at his knee twice. Right. Yeah. Stop doing that. Definitely don't do that. Yeah. Not even just if you're Robbie Fabry. If you're any player, try not to. He could be better Robbie Fabry, which is capable of filling in on the top line, probably not driving it, but a really good secondary scoring option. That's kind of what I'm projecting Perfetti to be. Now that, again, that skill set by itself projects to me in the 10 to 15 range, but looking at this draft, I if there's 10 players i like more than cole perfetti in this draft i i think if you get him 
10 or later, you have to, like, if you have the opportunity, you have to take him because he's very well a guy who could be one of the five best players in this draft. Yeah, remember when we said uh, Cole Caulfield was an option for Detroit at six oh. and he went 15? Yeah, teams aren't aren't getting the hint about that size thing. No. No, and you know what? <laughs> With a limited viewing now on uh, CHL players, there's going to be just as much chaos, if not more, in this year's draft. Yeah, Ed Perfetti put up huge numbers in the O this year. So Massive. Has performed all year. Yeah, had a great uh, under-18s. Uh, was a disappointment at the Team Canada camp, but as an undersized 17-year-old, yeah, that was to be expected Fine. for the World Juniors. Yeah. He didn't make the team. Aw, oh, damn, Tyler Sagan didn't make the team either. So when he was in his draft year. So it's not a major concern. Yeah. Where would you put him rank? Like 1 to 5, 5 to 10, 10 to 15? I almost throw a dart right at number 10 right now. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd have him maybe just in the middle, like around seven, maybe eight. Um, I would hesitate to put him much higher because of the talent in this draft, but I, I would really have to be down on him overall as a player, which I don't think I am just because of the skill that he does have. So I'd probably put him at about a seven or eight right now. And that's personal ranking. We're not predicting when people are going anymore. <laughs> We've given up. The moment Mo Sider's name got called six overall, we gave up predicting where anyone's going anymore. Yeah. Who's Detroit taking fourth overall this year? I don't know. Jack Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> Alexi Lafreniere. Who knows, man? Which will end up being the wrong pick down the road. Like, <laughs> Don't ask us that anymore. They took, they took Alexi Lafreniere at two and then... I don't know. Jake Sanderson's the best player to this draft by a mile. What happened there? And then fans of the who are, whatever team took Jake Sanderson saying, of course he was going to be. You guys are all idiots for not taking him. We wanted him the whole time at pick seven, which was too high to take him at the time. What was the one draft? Yes, what? this is allegorical for Quinn Hughes. Vancouver fans are being annoying. Stop it. Was it the 2014 draft? Uh, TSN. Um, who was it? No, not TSN. Someone did a, a redraft and only one player drafted in the top three in the redraft went in the top five. Yeah, it's hard. Like, <laughs> this stuff is hard, man. And in so many things change that you would have no way of knowing at the time of the draft. Professionals, teams, general managers, scouts, talking heads, podcasts, reply guys in our mentions. Nobody would possibly know all of this. So anybody speaking in absolutes about absolutes about this kinds of things, these kinds of things are just purely talking out of their ass. No one knows for sure. And for sure, we've made the mistake of trying to predict where people are going before based on what's, lo what's logical. But we run into two problems there. What's logical to us might not be logical to other people. And two, uh, the ever-present um, factor of society in every way today, chaos. Chaos reigns supreme every single time. If you think you know what's coming in the NHL draft, you don't. And that's the fun of it. We would like Detroit to be in a position where they don't have to guess, where they can just watch with their new first or first overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere. The NHL draft is basically just Fury Road when you break it down. Essentially, it is. Actually, one year they actually just played Mad Max Fury Road and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Tom Hardy was in a Rangers jersey. Yeah, really mean uh, second pairing defenseman. No one expected it because he was so small. But yeah, he, the guy's made of trees. Yeah, really curious to see what the Devils are going to do with Charlize Theron. New favorite team. They got to call her up soon. New favorite team for sure. <laughs> All right, we're going to head into uh, overtime and on this midweek episode of the uh, Wing Duo podcast that is Patreon exclusive. Um, again, patrons, sorry for posting these late um, with interviews and everything. It's been a little all over the board. Uh, we're going to try to give you some more time. And also, just a quick note, if you guys uh, were expecting a bumper sticker or anything from us, um, we usually send our mail in batches. 
and sometimes those get held up because of global pandemics. So just sit tight, um, feel free to reach out to us. And if, and when everything settles down, you still haven't received it, I'll make sure you get another one. Um, but don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. We're going to start with Dead Panda Society, who says, who in your opinion is the most underrated player in Red Wings history? I don't have much to say other than the question. Um, I'm still so bored. <laughs> most underrated player in Red Wings history. Oh, man. It, I think some obvious answers here are players of old. Like you talk about the Ted Lindsay's, the Sid Abel's, the Terry Sawchucks. People really forget what they did for hockey and the Red Wings. Sid Howe. Sid Howe is a great example. I'll still argue uh, from the 90s, Slava Kozlov. Yep. Larry Onoff. Yeah. Look at us just picking Hall of Famers. Uh, <laughs> Vladdy, right? Vladdy was, people forget, like, he wasn't just a guy who laid out big hits. He was an important part of the Red Wings decor. Norris candidate. But I feel like the most underrated players in Red Wings history are going to come from the downtimes. You talk to anybody about any of the cup eras, most good Red Wings fans will be able to rhyme like over three quarters of that roster and tell you how great they are. It's the uh, Mickey Redmonds, the John O'Grodnicks, the Reed Larsons of the world who will get overlooked because they were very, very good. But at the time they were very good. The team was very, very bad. Like uh, Gerard Gallant would actually be a good example of this. Yeah, no, no, that would be a, a really good one. Antonio Gracia says, what food challenge would you do if it meant the return of hockey should you succeed? I will eat a pound of cilantro. What food challenge would you do if it meant the return of hockey? Right now? Yeah. I'm good. Did you see the Red Wings this year? I'm good. No. uh, (laughs) Would you eat a pound of sautéed onions? Mm, Sautéed? Yeah. Yeah. What, What about a raw onion? No. You wouldn't eat one raw onion to bring back hockey? No. Brad, you wouldn't bring eat one raw onion to bring back no. hockey. This is worse than you picking Mar- Marty Furk instead of Brett Hall for best. People sided with me on that. He can't bring it up. <laughs> um, one raw onion. If the Red Wings were a cup contender, I'd probably go for it. But this isn't. No, I'm, I don't want that taste in my memory for the rest of my life. <laughs> Just like I don't want the memory of this season in my head the rest of my life. So I. When was the last time you had raw onion? Like on anything? Yeah. Accidentally, it happens more often than you'd think. Like you go to a restaurant, not realize onions are incorporated in X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because it's an amazing ingredient, of course. It ruins the food, and I know it the second I take a bite into it. But anyways, <laughs> um, and so it's happened often, but thankfully there were every time it's happened to me, other flavors drowned it out a little bit. Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, have a hot take. Ablocator is going to retire after having a lot of time to not read what's said about him. Who am I kidding? I'm just being hopeful. But seriously, how can you keep playing after seeing what's happening? Everyone on the team has surpassed him. And I think you should just call it a career. It's sad to see a well-loved player lose that affection slowly through the fan base. Stay safe and let's go Red Wings. P.S. Matt Patricia should be fired, in my opinion. Look, Abdelkader is always going to do what's best for him, and that's collect his paycheck and keep playing hockey professionally. Is he going to keep doing that though? Because uh, that the cap uh, being severely impacted by this virus is really heating up the compliance buyout talks, and I don't see a reality in which he doesn't it doesn't get used on him if it happens. Oh, so. if they get compliance buyouts is being used on Abdelkader, at which point I think he'll try to find somewhere else to play, and if he's unsuccessful, then he'll retire for sure. No, or- but he, he will not play another NHL game if there's compliance buyouts, unless whatever team he signs with gets decimated by injuries. He's getting healthy scratched on the worst team in the cap era. For sure. And I'm not arguing with that. I'm just saying, A, I've seen crazier things in terms of teams. Oh, well, Ken Holland's still a GM, so he's going to Edmonton. 
maybe. Maybe Ken Holland picks him up as a depth guy for a league minimum to play on the fourth line or so be scratched there. If I'm if I'm just an applicator, I'd rather that than not play at all. Or maybe he does not he, he is looking forward to like if you collect the um, compliance buyout paycheck, for sure he'd want to do that and and consider maybe just calling it a career. Well, who knows? Um in terms of Matt Patricia, look, I'm the most hopeless Lions fan you'll find. I think there's no world where any iteration of this team makes it i feel terrible for matt stafford the way i don't get heated about coaches there or or the team there like i do about the red wings is because every season i tell myself it's not happening and there it is i just have no hope from the start it's sad it's a sad way to be a football fan ryan i too was like that for a while there's hope for everybody i was like that for 17 years the buffalo bills have made infinity more super bowls or have made the Super Bowl infinity more times than the Detroit Lions. And they also have a very competent management and coaching right now. Ownership? Hey, they just donated $1.2 million to Western New York to help through this. Did they? Yeah, the Pagoulas are great. Good for them. Eddie says, roses are red. Coronavirus is scary. Back up six feet. Oh, fuck, we lost Terry. <laughs> Art is truly all we can have to get us through these trying times. Eddie, thank you for that. Cody G says, watching the rest of the world respond to COVID-19 is like looking at an alternative past for me. I've been under the social distancing and quarantine rule since January. Have to say, um, alternate past though, because nobody here ran scrambling for toilet paper. Everyone took it seriously from the start. Despite being on the border with China, Mongolia only has 10 cases and only one of them wandered before the quarantine. All others have been evacuees from other countries and have remained under full quarantine since arrival. Laughed at the overreaction of the Mongolian government in the beginning, but they have made me eat crow by showing how effective their swift limitations have been although i have to give credit to the diligent public who have been maintaining their distance fairly well hey man i'm happy you're staying safe over there all that said i've seen i see everyone asking for tv shows and movies to binge during their social distancing but i think this is a mistake this time can be a gift you should not waste everyone uh, has something or some skill they always complain about never having the time to develop well here's your chance for me, I started making videos for my lessons and I've dived into researching new editing techniques that in just a couple of months have brought me to a point where I have an opportunity to more than double my current salary. Imagine if I spent these last couple of months watching Netflix instead. Hey man, share the wealth or the wealth of knowledge. Count your blessings when they come around, especially in times of darkness. Cheers, boys, and wash your hands. Matt Cheney says, hey boys, hope you're managing well in isolation. It's time to put on your GM hat. Say you have the first five picks in the 2020 draft and your goal is to construct a line of forwards and a defense pairing. Who do you pick and why? Thanks for the content. Stay safe and stay six feet back. Oh, this is... uh, It's easy as hell. There'll be debates, but I would go... My forward line would be Lafreniere, Byfield, Raymond. Mm -hmm. My defense pairing would be Drysdale. And I would actually go... With oh my god, I'm why am I creating no the Swedish kid, um, who's the five foot nine Swedish offensive defenseman whose name's eluding me at the moment? Uh, Emil Andre. Oh, and with- then and then Askarov and that I'm not big on as big on Sanderson. Poirier would definitely get consideration. I th- yeah, I think you have to go Lafreniere Byfield. You have a choice between Raymond and Stutzla, but I think with the opportunity to take uh, Raymond with Byfield and, and Lafreniere, I'd rather do that. Handedness being the tiebreaker? Yeah. Um, sorry, Marco Rossi. Sorry, Stutzla. Drysdale's the obvious defenseman. I would go Sanderson there and Askarov in that. It's actually pretty – you're not going to find too much deviation. Yeah, it's that It's that one winger and the one defenseman. Everything else is yeah. open and shut. 
Chris says, hey guys, ended up flying to Alaska, traveling through the night today. Uh, probably going to get quarantined once I get there, so I need high quality content to get through. Couple of questions. How big of an advantage is, is it to be a big market team in terms of signing players and many players having roots in Michigan? Behind Minnesota, Michigan has the most NHL players of any U.S. state. Mike Madonna's from Michigan, played a year or two here. Main reason behind Tory Krug rumors seem to stem from him being from Michigan. Plus, a lot of players played here even if they're from somewhere else. Main question really is to talk about the impact of a dedicated fan base and a lot of players have roots here. It matters It matters more to the narrative than anything else. And I want to put that out there. Um, I say the narrative, talking about the media narrative with the full recognition that we are fully well a part of that and guilty of this as well. But it's just such an easy topic to latch on to. Not to say it's unsubstantial. like it, it, It's not definitely inconsequential. For sure, there's a consideration there. But I think it's a little overplayed because a not every player always wants to come home to play uh not every player would put like that much stock into it um sometimes players care more about a lifestyle they didn't have growing up sometimes players care more about money sometimes players care more more about winning a cup which might not be the case with the team like detroit right now like it helps it definitely doesn't hurt I think it's a case-to-case thing, and I, I think it's rare for it to be like an absolute definite thing. I think enough money can always sway someone in a different way. For superstars, I don't think it matters at all because if we're being honest right now, Detroit's not a destination. It's it's We all know and love the city of Detroit, but it doesn't compete as a city to a 20-something-year-old male athlete to Tampa Bay, New York City, Anaheim, California, Sunrise, Florida, Vegas – um, and they're going to get infinity dollars from their contract anyway, where the hometown advantage comes in is with your guys who aren't getting the mega contracts because they might want to play in front of their hometown because they might get more. They, they know that the fan base will gravitate towards them a little more and they could get some extra advertising. Cause a guy like Lou Glenn Denning here could get advertisements in Michigan where I bet you, if he was playing in Nashville, he wouldn't. And then because if he has enough pull around this area, he maybe works for the team or Fox Sports Detroit or some affiliate after he retires from hockey and and knows that, okay, well, if I live here, I can get a stable income for the rest of my life, which I couldn't do if I didn't play for the team. So for that, I think it could factor in because if I was like a third or fourth line player making, you know, less than $2 million a year where I am very worried about how much money I'm going to make after my career ends. Yeah, no, I'm going to look very hard as to how I'm making my money when I retire and the hometown's going to present more options. And then another additional quick question is uh, wondering if anyone else is bothered by the fact that Mickey seems to be the most honest in terms of giving opinions of the Red Wings. Um, I understand how it's frustrating. I know I don't always love to watch um, a lot of commentary outside of the actual play-by-play for the Red Wings because a lot of it's just trying to keep things positive. You have to understand, though, with those guys who do the the broadcasts and the in-game and between-period coverage is that their job isn't to break down just how bad this team is. Um, they have viewers who they want to keep watching, and they have to cover these games no matter what. Um, yeah, they have a very close tie to the team, so maybe they don't have the kind of leeway that we do in terms of being critical, but at the same time, they have the very incredibly tough job of making things palatable and enjoyable because they have to be there for these games. Like, obviously, we're going to show the game, they're going to show the games, they're going to cover them, uh, and that's a tough thing to do. So, does it bug me? No. Do I always, you know, want to listen to someone pretend that Ablocator is Eric or Erickson's a good contributor for this team? No. Like, I, I, I understand why that's happening. I, I don't particularly enjoy listening to it, but I don't really get frustrated with anyone. It's just kind of like they're stuck, right? Um, 
Matt Cheney, or no, sorry, I did Matt Cheney. Evan Beckner says, hello, gentlemen. Uh, I was just thinking about how awesome it is that the greatest player of all time was traded. Um, due to this, we are allowed to entertain even the tiniest rumor involving any player ever. So let's play a game of I call, play, let's play a game I call, well, if Gretzky can be traded. Try to come up with a trade that seems fair to the below players. And if you find yourself thinking, why would a team do that? Remember that Gretzky was informed the Oilers were entertaining trades just two after hours after winning the Stanley Cup. For reference, Gretzky was a 27-year-old uh, who played 64 games, 40 goals, 109 assists, along with McSorley and Krusielniski, uh, traded for Jimmy Carson, who had 80 games played, 55 goals, and 52 assists, Marty Jelena, three first-round picks, and $15 million. The players are Nathan McKinnon, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are we trading them to Detroit, or are we just trading them in general? Um, no, it, it, each player gets their own individual trade. I don't think trading Kuznetsov's crazy. No, that's not crazy. The rest of them are though. Uh, okay. So I'm going to kill two birds, one stone, Nathan McKinnon and a second round pick to Edmonton for Connor McDavid. (laughs) (laughs) Edmonton would be stupid, but yeah, sure. Sure. Why not? Uh, I don't think Tyson Jost is a kicker. (laughs) I think if you're looking at a trade for Nathan McKinnon, you're looking at multiple first round picks and you're likely looking at a top three pick this year being one of them involved. Um, you're looking at, I don't want to say they don't need defensemen. This is a difficult one. They're looking for quality because they're in a window right now. So again, I'm joking about McDavid, but they're not trading him unless things go off the rail and they're getting a superstar in return. Literally, if you're Ottawa, do you trade uh, your two first picks this year for Nathan McKinnon? Yes, in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? And if you're Colorado, do you consider that trade? No, absolutely not. What would you? What would? What about those two first picks and then Thomas Shabbat? They don't need defensemen though. See, that, no. that's a difficult one. It would probably be those two first picks and Brady Kachuk, and I still probably don't do it if I'm Colorado because Colorado wants to win the cup now. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, that's the problem. That's why these trades don't work anymore. The salary caps ruined everything and windows are a thing. Yeah. Cash meant a lot back then. Okay. You want a Connor McDavid trade? Your next five first round picks and your two best players, and then we'll start talking. Like, ah, if, if Ottawa wants Connor McDavid, all three of their first round picks this year, their first round pick next year, Thomas Shabbat, uh, who's their best forward? Ottawa? Yeah. Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk. And then you still have to add from there. So here, here's here's how complicated trades are versus how they were back in the day. And I was just thinking about this as you were talking. Here's a trade proposal. And I want you to think about this if you're Ken Holland. Connor McDavid for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Stupid. For who? Uh, do you want Edmonton. do you want that they're 10 years older than Connor McDavid do you want the extra 10 years of McDavid yes or do you want the double so see this is what I mean two of the greatest players in the world and you're saying no that's yeah. why trades suck nowadays because yeah. you can't have Gretzky quality trades anymore you can't there's the salary cap the windows the it's too hard nowadays uh, Evan says, thanks for all the fun times amidst the darkest days for our Red Wings. Unfortunately, this will be my last comment as a patron for a bit, but you can bet your sweet bippy I'll be back as soon as oh the stupid virus God, allows me to work damn again. Damn that word. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Let's go Red Wings and wash your damn hands. Liz B says, somehow Detroit's going to end up picking six, aren't they? If you don't finish the season, then you should just skip the draft. Won't hurt for the picks to just be awarded in order from 31st to 1st for a season. Um, Please, yes. 
the liz mentions a protein bar found one bar that actually doesn't taste like crap it's called a built bar but unfortunately you can only buy them buy them online consistency of a milky way i might have to try those Ooh. kyle sander says howdy boys gotta air some grievances ryan good sir i'm thoroughly upset that during my last comment you completely omitted the sum 41 lyric portion of my comment and that really bummed me out i definitely missed it i'm so sorry moving on more nonsensical questions and comments quickly brad gene cutoffs yes or no for guys or girls guys no girls yes um what's your ideal cup of coffee don't drink coffee uh a fantastic roast that is good enough black if it's like a everyday coffee one or two creams in it um because i love dairy energy drink of choice coffee is not an option uh don't drink energy drinks i haven't had an energy drink in a long time um i don't I don't know. I mean, I've had Red Bull. It tastes fine. Yeah, fine Red Bull. Um, what was the last time you assembled a Lego set? Oh, God. Decades. That has to be at least 15 years ago, which is sad. Who would win each matchup? In what? In general? Ryan versus Brad. In what? Hockey? Yeah, I don't Me. know. Me. You. You play. <laughs> I, I've literally have stepped on the ice like twice in the past year. I fight? Me. Also still me. Dad strength. Um... <laughs> Let's go fights. Ryan versus Brad. You. Me. I don't fight fathers. That's I'm not so stupid. <laughs> you have something to lose. Or you It should be that I have nothing to lose and I would win, but that's not the case. No. Nah. I have a No, no, I have a child-free life to lose. And you don't. You fight Yeah, you'd fight Rabbit. Brad versus Evan. Ooh. I don't know, Do man. Do you think Evan even like really gets up for it? I feel like I've never seen Evan amped up. I don't know if that makes it more concerning or less co- him more concerning or less concerning. Uh, I played uh, Call of Duty Warzone with Evan the other day, and he was like really like dialed in for that. And I was like, so Evan can like when he's dialed in, like he's serious. I've played I, hockey with him. I still haven't seen it. I'll I'll give you the father advantage there, but it'd definitely be a way closer fight. Oh yeah, me versus Evan. Uh, Evan's just Evan. built better than me. <laughs> yeah, <Kick> my ass. <laughs> uh, has Tom Cruise ever made a bad movie? Uh, I'm, I'm sure, sure he some... has. I haven't seen them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure some recruiting movies for uh, a certain religion might have been not so great. I gotta rewatch Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, love that movie. Top end forward talent or top end defensive talent? Forward talent based on today's league. Yeah, yeah, you need forwards now or you can't survive. As someone who can't grow facial hair worth a hoot, I have pledged to grow a quarren beard. Brad, you have a friend. Thank you for reading all it's of my... It's been two days, man. It's been 48 hours. I haven't exactly let it go off the rails yet. Thank you for reading all of my comments. Smoke them if you got them. Peace. All right. Last question here from Actually Terry. He says, hello, Winged Wheel Podcast listeners. What do you mean? I actually don't know who this is. Who else would it be besides Terry? Since you miserable excuses for gentlemen pretend at being hockey journalists, what's the scoop on Zetterberg? Has he been involved off the ice with the team to any extent? Is there a plan to, once his LTIR contract is up, miserably, actually frickin' Terry? Uh, As far as I know, he's not been involved in any hockey operations. To my knowledge, he actually has been involved in some things passively. We're talking like prospect tournaments. We're talking training camps. Like appearances or he's actually evaluating? He's been like up there with Draper and Eisman. Oh, okay. Because I've seen him make a lot of appearances for the team, but I don't know from the hockey ops side. From the conversations I've had, it's been very... It's taking things easier right now, not jumping into things. It's definitely a thought moving forward, and it's nothing definite quite yet. I think it's smart to use the end of his LTIR contract as a good uh, measure. He did just sell his home in Detroit, or he was selling his home in Detroit. I don't know if it actually sold. I don't know what the timeline is to sell multi-million dollar homes. Um, 
but I don't think he, I wouldn't call it completely unlikely to see him in a couple times a year, much like Hakan Anderson and maybe doing some scouting over in Europe and then maybe transitioning back over one day. Um, but I know he definitely did want to move back home. Um, I lied to you, Brad. Uh, Brad Crisco says, hello, Ryan and Evan. It's me, Slim Braddy. As you can see by my avatar, I'm trying to bring finger guns in as a way of greeting during this whole virus caper. Mm-hmm. We need to get the word out about so... Uh, in the future, when greeting me, please bust out finger guns. That goes for all listeners as well. This is all. This is what we all have during these trying times. Jersey time. The the aesthetics leak what, about what an alternate wings jersey could look like was really nice throwback. I know the youths want something a bit more hip, but honestly, what do they know? Trust me on this. I'm right. The white sleeves with a red stripe look fantastic. If they can throw back the C and the A in a red diamond with no name on the back, just the number, that would be ace. As for the color rush jersey the designer released, which is the barber pole template, albeit with the C on the wrong side, I think it looks better in person as the silver from the centennial jerseys is incredible. That said, they should have just taken the easy route and inverted the existing barber pole jersey. Stay hygienic, cheese bags. Have you seen the throwback that people are talking yes. about? I like it. I would have preferred one of the winter classics, but if they weren't going to go with one of those, that's like a timeless look. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's an unspectacular for a third jersey, but it's a objectively good jersey. It is. Yeah. And that's I, probably what the Red Wings are going to go with if they go with a third. We've had enough throwbacks, so I kind of want something new, admittedly. Um, but I know that's not the way Detroit would likely go, and I'm fine with it. Yeah. All right. And we are going to wrap up now. Brad has an extra child at home. So we're going to take this time to thank all of our listeners, um, our name level sponsors, Terry, actually Terry, Arjun Shanker, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam al Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Ashley Van Conant, your friendly neighborhood beer rep, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all. Stay inside. I mean, go for a run, too. I don't know what the rules are where you are. But uh, until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.